Parenting is a full-time job, and providing effective support for today's teens can be challenging. The Parent Engage 360 podcast aims to provide connections and information from experts in the fields of chemical health, mental health, internet safety, and more. It's a comprehensive view on parenting, provided in a personal, convenient format. Tune in to today's episode of the Parent Engage 360 podcast series. This is Liz Burgard, Parent Involvement Coordinator with Anoka Hennepin Schools. I'm sitting here with Sue Abder Holden, the Executive Director of NAMI, and Megan Legacy, School Social Worker in the School District. Both are caring and compassionate women who are going to provide us with insights and tips about what parents need to know about mental health and ways to help their children through these unknown times. Welcome, Sue and Megan. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we'd like to start off our podcast by learning a little bit about you and how you began in this important work. So hi, and thank you so much for um, inviting me to be here today. So I've been involved in disability rights pretty much my entire adult life. So I've worked for ARC and for PACER, um, for Senator Wellstone, and always looking at kind of disability-related issues, special education issues as well. Um, and I've been with NAMI since 2001, and of course, we focus on both uh, mental health uh, conditions and issues in both children and adults. And the other thing I want to add, though, is that I also have family members with anxiety and depression and had uh, one of my children actually really struggled with it um, quite a bit, including a suicide attempt um, when she was in middle school. So I've also lived through it as a parent, and I've also been a foster parent. So I've done respite care for, I don't know, it was over over a dozen years in Hennepin County for uh, children with a variety of disabilities. So I, I don't come at this as a mental health professional, but through that kind of lived experience. And I'm Megan Legacy, thanks for having me. I am a school social worker here in the Anoka Hennepin School District. And I think this is my uh, eighth year with the district and 10th year as a school social worker overall. I am a mental health professional. I'm a licensed independent clinical social worker. I, I chose school social work because I love working with kids and schools are the absolute best place to work with children. Um, they're there every day. It's a huge part of their life. And I can support and intervene in their way in their lives in so many different ways. Um, as school social workers, we help with basic needs, safety, friendships, emotions and behavior, and even academics, um, you know, a little bit as far as organization and, and motivation to to do school work. Thank you both for sharing your experience, and we have a, a wealth of knowledge and personal and professional experience to really dive into our first um, Parent 360 podcast today. So thinking about your experience and, and what you do um, in the community each day, and as the school year is wrapping up and we're transitioning into the summer, what do parents need to know about mental health and supporting their child? Um, I'll start it out, Sue. I I would just say that it's really important to remember that it's similar to our physical health and that we need to take care of it and we need to care for it in some of those similar ways. We need to eat right, exercise, get good sleep, things like that. Um, and sometimes you do need support from uh, other people, professionals to maintain or, or heal just like you do with your physical health. Um, we aren't all healthy all the time, physically or emotionally. It's important for to for parents to recognize that that it's normal for us to struggle sometimes with with mental health. I also think it's really important for parents to know that just like most everything else in life, 
we need to learn how to manage our stress and emotions. And guess who kids learn that from? Their parents, um, for the most part, right? They're adult caregivers in their life. They're looking to you to to learn how to manage stress and emotions. And just like they're le- looking to you to learn many of other, you know, those life skills. Um, so I just think it's important to remember remember that part. I'd also add that you need to trust your gut. You know, so you see some changes in your child's behaviors, whether it's, you know, sleeping or eating or their mood, and you're worried, take that seriously. You know, oftentimes, especially middle school and high school, people, other people will tell you, oh, it's just a phase. It's not always just a phase. It really can be the beginning of, you know, developing a mental illness or struggling with their mental health. And so take those things seriously, Um, especially, I mean, one of the things that parents always say is, so how do I know? Right. So teenagers are generally crabby. So how do you know that that's actually just being teenage crabbiness or is it is it the beginning of a mental illness? And we always tell families to look at the intensity and the length of time. So, sure, kids are going to be crabby from time to time. They're going to be moody from time to time. But if they've been kind of really moody, um, really reactive for weeks at a time and your gut is telling you that there's something wrong, there's something wrong. Thank you. Those are some really great tips. Um, With COVID-19, is there anything different or unique at this time in regards to mental health that you guys have noticed um, in your work? Oh, definitely. I mean, I I guess I'll start and just say right now, everyone's mental health is impacted. I mean, we are in such uncertain times. You know, people don't know what's going to happen in a month, you know, nonetheless next week. Um, you know, we have parents whose jobs are at risk, or maybe they've lost them, or they're working in, you know, they're an essential employee, and they're working in a place where they could catch COVID or, you know, pass it on to their family. Um, Families are really stressed. And then you have families who are working from home, who are also trying to teach. I mean, we've just seen the stress levels go through the roof. And frankly, if you have a child who's on an IEP, or maybe they had a paraprofessional one-on-one all during the day, that and paraprofessionals do great work, that paraprofessional is not in their home. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so they're trying to do all of this by themselves. So we've just seen the stress levels go through the roof and that that impacts children, Mm -hmm. Um, that impacts them. They see that you're stressed. They feel that even if you're not talking about it, um, they're hearing the news, the number of people who die every day, um, you know, all of this kind of stuff is really, really overwhelming for children and their families. Absolutely. So I, I think I, I was thinking the same thing, just how much they're exposed to it. You can't really escape it. It's all over the TV. It's on the Internet. We're blanketed with pandemic related information and misinformation and speculation and opinions. And, and that is really stressful. I also think for everyone, but especially adolescents, you know, I work with middle schoolers and I've done a lot of work with high schoolers in the past. Um, that lack of in-person daily peer interaction that they so crave is really limited during isolation and these stay-at-home orders. And that's really hard for kids. To add to that, we don't know when we're going to get those connections back fully. So we can't even say like, oh, hold up for another week, another day, whatever it might be. There's, there's, no, there's no answer. There's no un- it's all very uncertain. And a lot of our kids are lacking those strong connections and support they had with many adults in their lives, um, extended family 
teachers, daycare providers, whoever else might be in their life. And parents are probably missing some of that that help, you know, in supporting their students. If grandma or grandpa is usually somebody you, you lean on for extra support because parents need breaks, you know. Um, and even though we're trying to stay with the, connected with those people virtually, it really feels different. And it doesn't give that same impact that we have when we're, when we're in person with people. And I think we know um, as a mental health community that, you know, this added isolation, fear and stress is going to be especially hard on those that already had an existing mental illness. It's really exasperating those existing illnesses that people have been um, dealing with for for some time. And, And in addition to that, kind of care and treatment options are more limited right now in order to keep people physically safe and healthy. You know, telehealth just isn't the same as sitting in the same room with your therapist and, and things like that. So that's that's extra hard that we have increased need with some limits on the supports. Mm-hmm. The one thing I would add is that there's also grief and kind of ambiguous loss. We don't have graduations. We've canceled weddings, birthday parties, concerts, you know, sports tournaments, all of that. And I think we have to recognize that we're experiencing some grief over that as adults, but children are experiencing it three times fold. And they don't necessarily have the tools in their toolbox to actually really talk about it and name it and deal with it. Mm -hmm. Um, Knowing that that this is a time that's stressful, it's uncertain for all of us, and that people are um, going through grief of, of some sort, whether they're a teenager or a parent, What are ways that parents can support their child in general during this pandemic and then also moving into summer, knowing that students won't have, um, as you mentioned, Megan, even the virtual connection with some of those caregivers or those adults that they really appreciate? What are some um, ways that parents can support their child moving forward? I think there's lots of things that parents can do always to support their child. And it just starts with creating a safe and positive home environment, particularly during this time. Um, I think it's important that parents help limit some of the exposure to all of the media about the pandemic and COVID and are we going back to school or aren't we? And are we going to be able to have the state fair and whatever else people are speculating and trying to plan for the future about? There's just there's so much out there that kids don't need to know and aren't ready to to deal with. Um, but then helping them develop and maintain those strong, positive relationships. So moving into summer, yep, teachers and school staff won't be available. So helping them connect with the other people in their lives that they have positive relationships with so that they do have that social connection, whether it's virtual or, you know, um, in person. And I think then the other piece is just listening. And that's always right during a pandemic or not a pandemic, listening to your kids. And and um, something I find it can be kind of hard to remember sometimes is um, especially the littler kids, right? Like they have feelings too. They aren't mini adults, but the kids have feelings and it's not bad for our kids to feel sad or to feel angry, but it is sometimes problematic how they're showing those feelings. And so um, trying to help separate the feeling from the behavior and really trying to to keep those separate. Like it's okay to feel mad. It's not okay to do whatever, you know, maybe throwing, mm-hmm. swearing, whatever that might be um, to make sure that we're not condemning the feelings along with the behavior because they're going to continue to have those different feelings and that's normal and healthy. So instead, you know, correcting that behavior and giving them more healthy ways to cope um, and, and listening to how they feel. 
And, and I think those are all good points. I, I would add that trying to keep somewhat of a routine, especially around bedtime, is really important. Sleep is so important to our mental health, so trying to keep that in. But I also want to say for parents, um, ban perfectionism. It's okay that you didn't teach them French over the lunch hour. It's okay <laughs> that you didn't, you know, show all the different museums that are online now. Um, you just have to do the best that you can, and you have to let go of that. Because, again, we are in such uncertain times. There is so much stress on parents, you know, as well as kids that, you know, please just don't go there in terms of perfectionism. The other thing I would say is that because we know that movement uh, gets the endorphins going in our brain and really helps in terms of reducing stress is to do what you can. Um, it could be, I've seen some just lovely videos of little kids dancing with their parents, mm -hmm. um, even some teenagers dancing with their <laughs> younger siblings. And, you know, it, it makes you feel good because you're hearing music that's bringing you to life, but also you're laughing and you're mm -hmm. smiling. And, and that kind of positive outlook can also really help in terms of relieving stress. So move, do something like that, that can really help. And then the other thing I would um, also say is that I think that touch is really important. Um, so hugging your kids more, um, you know, when we're scared, having someone hug us really helps. And so just be a little bit more mindful of snuggling up or giving your teenager a hug, you know, something like that just to um, help relieve that stress. NAMI Minnesota provides free online classes and peer-led support groups to help parents support the mental health of their children and teens. Go to the NAMI website, namimn.org, to access fact sheets and booklets on topics related to mental illnesses. If you need help, contact their helpline at 651-645-2948. And we're back. Um, so the next question we have is what should a parent look for in regards to mental health and well-being in their student? Megan, would you mind answering that question first? I would love to, Liz. Thanks. Um, I think just some of signs of mental wellness, you know, that, that we can be looking for include the ability to cope with those normal stressors in a healthy way, doing their schoolwork at their level, and completing those usual daily activities, as well as really maintaining healthy relationships, especially um, with those adolescents, preteens. If they're maintaining healthy relationships, having positive peer connections, those are, those are good signs. I think what I would add is um, looking for those changes in behavior. So if they're sleeping too much or too little, if their mood is really changing dramatically, if they're isolating from their friends, um, you know, in terms of even their phone texting or on the computer with them, Isolation is a huge issue. And I would also say things like being crabby um, all the time, you know, and just really reacting inappropriately. Those would also be things that would make me be concerned. Along with that, so knowing that we all are crabby sometimes, but if you notice these things about your child, what is one way that you could, that you guys would recommend that we would broach the topic or even try to start to have the conversation or a dialogue with our, our child? Because I know that can be difficult sometimes as, as parents. I think it's helpful to talk about what you see. So you don't necessarily have to name it, but you can say, boy, you know, you're only getting a few hours of sleep or you're awfully moody lately. 
And the best place to have those conversations is when you're not looking at each other, especially mm-hmm. with teenagers. Younger kids, it's different. But with teenagers, you don't want to be looking at each other, asking these questions. So going for a ride in the car, um, taking a walk, uh, doing something where you're side by side instead of uh, face to face can be really helpful. All those hard conversations are much easier when you're not looking at each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, w- I would add, it's okay to ease into that conversation, you know, starting with just how is your day? How's this? Um, and moving into more specific questions about their mental health. Asking open-ended questions, too, to invite more information versus just yes, no, yes, no questions. And making sure that you're understanding. You can ask a clarifying question and make sure that you understand what they're trying to tell you. Um, I think it's also really important as adults in kids' lives that we're not judging or assuming just because, you know, they didn't get a lot of sleep, that it's a mental health thing or not, you know, judging based on what they're wearing or anything like that that that's related to their mental health, but, but asking those questions to find out. I think sometimes also, uh, especially our, our preteens and teens might be comfortable talking to someone else too. And that's okay. It's okay to have a conversation with your child about who else they might want to have that conversation with if it's, if it's not happening between the two of you. If they have a, a uh, maybe extended family member or support staff, things like that, that might be a better place to start the conversation. That's okay too, as long as the conversation is happening. And most importantly, during the conversation, it's just conveying how much you care. And that's why you're asking the questions, um, not being nosy, not trying to be in your business. I just really care about you and, and that you're safe and healthy. One other thing I thought of too is, especially with you know COVID-19, is also sharing what you're feeling. So saying, you know, this is really hard. Um, I'm scared sometimes. Um, you know, I'm feeling distressed. Sharing that can also open up the door for them to share what they're also feeling. That's a great point. Also naming how we're feeling as adults. I think that sometimes can be hard for us to do as well. And it's also being a good role model for our children to say that we can name it how we're feeling and have that conversation. Um, So if knowing that uh, as a parent, you've had the conversation, you've asked questions, you've named how you felt, and you still feel like your child is in crisis, or it's beyond just having a conversation, and it's bigger than something that you as a parent can manage or control, who should parents reach out to if they do need additional support for their preteen or their teen? Well, we know there are many crisis resources in our communities and available in different formats. Um, there are crisis text lines, crisis phone lines, crisis online chat functions, mobile crisis units um, that will typically respond in person. At this time during the pandemic, they are doing more like telehealth visits over the computer, mm-hmm. but they're still available even if they aren't coming into our homes physically. And many clinics, hospitals, or care systems have nurse lines for consultation that are usually available 24-7 as well to have conversations about what do I do next. In an emergency, though, where someone's physical safety is in danger, we would encourage you to call 911, go to the nearest emergency room. Um, As far as through school, we have school social workers and other school support staff that are also available for consultation during school hours. Yeah, so I I think there's a couple things that families should know. So if they're wanting to talk to the um, crisis team, from your cell phone, you can just dial star star crisis and it will hook you up to the closest crisis team. So even if you're having to drive in another county, it, it does it by cell phone towers, they'll connect you with the closest one. And again, most are not going out and they are doing it by phone. 
The other thing is you might want to just leave around the number. Um, you can text MN to 741741. It really is geared in many ways to younger people. And so, because younger people don't make phone calls, they text. And so <laughs> having the text hotline is really important. And even just leaving it around so that maybe your teen would actually try it, I think would be helpful. It's always hard to remember the National Suicide Hotline number. We have legislation that's moving forward to have it be a three-digit number across the uh, country. But right now, it's 1-800-273-TALK, which is 8255. So again, that's 1-800-273-TALK. And lastly, if you do call 911, I would also ask if you can get a CIT-trained officer. CIT stands for Crisis Intervention Team. Um, They have all received 40 hours of intensive training on how to deal with a mental health crisis, and so they're usually a little better prepared to respond to a mental health crisis. Thank you for those resources. Um, And as we wrap up the podcast, we know that things are unpredictable and uncertain right now, and we've talked a little bit about this through the other questions, but is there one tip or one takeaway that you could share with parents that they could use today to really support either themselves or their child as we move forward with going into the summer? Um, I would say just admit that it's hard. Don't make it, you know, don't kind of gloss everything over and say everything's fine because every child knows that it's not. Admit that it's hard. And if you can use one of the tools to reduce your own stress with your child, so you're teaching them at the same time, I think that helps, whether it's a one-minute meditation from Calm or doing yoga together from a video, doing something like that together also teaches your child those tools, but will help you through it as well. Mm-hmm. Megan, do you have anything to add? Well, Sue stole mine, but I'll add another one. Um, the other one I would say, um, especially with your younger kids, but definitely for teens too, if you can just make five minutes every day for one on, uninterrupted one-on-one time with each child, even if it's just five minutes. We don't have to be giving hours and hours of, of that time that we don't have. But five minutes of positive time that you're and kind of le- letting your child lead that. What do they want to talk about? Do they want to play a quick game, um, read a book, have a conversation? Um, and, and trying to do that with each of your children, five minutes a day. And we'll miss some days. I know um, that happens. But if that's your goal, five minutes um, doesn't quite seem, doesn't seem huge, right? We can do five minutes. Those are really great tips of things that um, seem manageable as, it, as right now when things seem unmanageable. So I appreciate you sharing those with us. Um, and on behalf of Anoka Hennepin students, the staff and the parents, I'd just like to thank you for sharing your story, the gift of this information and your time. We're really grateful for you and the work that you're doing uh, in our community each and every day. So thank you both for being here today. Thank you. Thank you for listening. This resource is produced as a partnership between the Anoka Hennepin Parent Engagement Program and Student Services Department. Be sure to check out additional episodes in the Parent Engage 360 podcast series. For more information or to share feedback, visit ahschools.us slash parentengage360.